Hey everyone, thanks for tuning back in for another episode of Music of Near and Far. To those of you listening for the first time, I'm your host Jordan Relford, and today we have a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, we have two special guests with us, Emily Overbeck and Kelly Ong Lee, uh, here to talk about Han music in China and different types of African music. They'll be able to talk about the history and the culture of the music while I hit on the political aspects. Um, first up, we're going to listen to Emily as she gives a community report about the pygmy African culture. Hello all, my name is Emily Overbeck and I'm so excited to be on the show today to talk to you all about my community report, specifically regarding the African culture of pygmy. Pygmy is a term used to describe social groups in forest areas in such regions as Cameroon, Uganda, Rwanda, and more. Pygmy groups identify as Bambuti, Bivioc, and Baka. Most groups have maintained a concept of self-ruling with nomadic hunter and gatherer values. Jordan is going to speak a little bit more about the political aspects of the pygmy. Jordan. Uh, the pygmy, you know, unlike a lot of other places from all around the world, uh, believe in cooperation over survival, meaning there are no social hierarchies within their civilizations. And when it comes to age and gender, there is little specialization within the social and economic roles of their societies. And within their music, you can hear uh, all these different voices move in and out and leadership roles shift. And it doesn't just focus on one person. And I really think this reflects their egalitarian nature of, uh, you know, social and economic life. Thank you, Jordan, for that great explanation. Uh, pygmy groups hunt and share in their prey they have caught together, as is considered something that strengthens the community. The main values of the group are egalitarianism, consensus, and unity. All members are seen as equals, which is even reflected in their music. Because they are always on the go and live such a nomadic lifestyle, the pygmies don't always have physical items or goods, so their instruments are made from what is accessible. This would include things as whistles, blown flutes from cane, rhythm sticks, rattles, a variety of trumpet types, a musical bow, lymphophones, and drums. These instruments can be played alongside singing, whether it be formal or informal. Most singing is informal. However, the most important singing is the formal commun communal singing. Okay, I'm going to hold you there for one sec. One of our listeners by the name of OK-Alex45 has a question um, on Twitter regarding if there are any specific ceremonies that they perform music for. Yeah, um, there are indeed different ceremonies that the pygmy people are um, performed for. I can give you a few examples, actually. The Malimo ceremony consisted mainly of male singers who sang to maintain the sacredness of the forest that they believed to be divine. Alima was another ceremony in which mostly women sang to welcome those applicable into puberty. The last example that I'll provide is a ceremony that occurred right before the pygmy went out for a hunt. During this type of ceremony, the men and women would sing together because hunting is such a community-driven activity. Thanks so much for your question, okay, Alex45. I love delving deeper into this topic. Continuing on with my report, the form of interlocking in song is particularly popular with Bambuti pygmies. Specifically, the call and response type song creates an overall feel of community as one person leads and the others respond back in song repeatedly to create a cyclical ostinato pattern. The leadership of this type of song can switch as there is much mobility in the voices and moving around in the background, forwards and backwards. This further emphasizes the pygmy culture and nomadic lifestyle, just as they are a community that travels together. Their music presents a sense of togetherness while also providing mobilities within it. Very well said, Emily. Uh, thank you for that very informative uh, community report about the pygmy culture. 
Now, Kelly Young is going to touch on the musical analysis of two other African groups. Hi, I, I want to talk about the music of two ethnic groups of people in Africa. Awi from Ghana and Mandy, which is from the West African region. Awi's music is more traditional to me because drums are the main instrument in this group. I picked the piece Gazo as my example and analyzed African characteristics based on it. I feel like the whole piece has clear layers as accompaniment track and the singing track sound independent to me. They are not quite harmonic like Western classic music. However, the reason these two tracks are well matched with each other, I will see very important as a music element in Africa. I also found another characteristics, which is the repetitive pattern for the lyrics and also applied to the rhythm. The singer repeats one sentence over and over again, sometimes with a little bit of variation. It could end like this. Yes, uh, I believe the ostinato will be as important as the rhythm in African music. Awe has a serious social hierarchy in terms of age, gender, and lineage. This is also contributing to the music genre of Awe music that is aims for political situations or other important occasions like funerals and weddings. The second example I pick is Amanda Kora music. This group primarily uses different kinds of instruments, which are plucked instruments and known as kora and contigo. Mandy's music also follows the social hierarchy according to the history of Mali, in which the musicians there can be divided into two groups of people. Uh, therefore, Mandy's music can be professional oriented, but also have professional genres. Mandy uses music to divide people and function in society is universal in African history. Wow, thank you, Kellyanne, for sharing your knowledge with us. Truly a wonderful explanation of both the history and the musical analysis of African groups, Ewi and Mandy music culture. Um, next up, we're going to discuss traditional Chinese Han music. Now, Chinese China is a very diverse place, but the most dominant group of people are the Han, and they make up 92% of the population of China, which equates to about an astounding 1.2 billion people. Um, in order to comprehend Han music, we have to talk about Confucius. So if you didn't know, Confucius was slash is a very influential man. Not only was he a philosopher, but he was also involved deep into the art and was very active in politics. People worshipped him and still follow his principles to this very day. He happened to live in a time where chaos and warfare ran rampant among China, which plays an important role in shaping his ideologies. He believes that all human beings are fundamentally good and can be taught to do the right thing, especially through, you know, the power of meditation, really trying to work and better on oneself. His main point, though, is that if everyone did their part of finding peace within themselves, then we would obtain a successful and cooperative society. Uh, Confucius believed in two different types of music, appropriate and, you know, inappropriate. Hey, Jordan, sorry to interrupt, but we have another question coming in from someone on Twitter. Smith HS17 has asked if you could elaborate more on the different types of music that Confucius believed in. I know you're an expert on this, so you'd probably be the best one to answer this question. Could you? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, Smith HS17, thanks for listening. I'd be more than happy to answer your question, what I mean by appropriate versus inappropriate. 
So the two types of music Confucius believed in was Xi'an, which would be considered the proper sound, which entails, you know, harmony, peacefulness, and is, you know, would be considered to be appropriate. And then on the other hand, we have um, Chiyu, the extravagant music, and um, this music is loud and... You know, and Confucius believes this music stimulates excessive bad behavior and therefore deems it inappropriate for society. And it doesn't coincide with his ideologies on peace within you know, society. Um, yeah, so thanks for your questions, Myth HS17. Um, so, Kaylion, what do you have for us regarding the musical analysis for the traditional Chinese Han music? Han music pursues the peaceful, natural, and spiritual satisfaction. In ancient China, music was generally a hobby for scholars, the people in court, or some nobility. These people are very wealthy, so they are kind of tired of the money and the field. Thus, music-like chains is exactly what they are looking forward to, which they can find in the spiritual world when they play it. It's more likely the aesthetic expression rather than the emotional delivery. All right, Kellyanne. Uh, it looks like we have a phone call coming in, so let's take a listen. Hi, thanks for listening to Music of Near and Far. What's your name and where are you from? Hey guys, my name is Elizabeth and I'm from Staten Island, New York. I was just curious as to what is a chin. I've never heard of it before and was curious about what is so significant about the chin. Hey Elizabeth, Emily here. I'd be more question. So to start, Han musical traditions greatly incorporated the instrument, the chin. The chin was a very popular and appreciated instrument among the Chinese. It had previous ties to scholars and poets from Chinese history, emphasizing its uniqueness. Even so, uh, centuries ago, the chin arose as an instrument played by a single person, thus making it a solo instrument. Um, a better sense of self came about with playing the chin and was even supposed to be played while in private or in the presence of nature or beautiful scenery. The chin itself was a highly personable instrument because those who owned or played one decorated it as they pleased to suit their own life, values, and personal characteristics. Included on the chin are seven strings of different thicknesses and 13 position markers with two openings or rather sound pools. Chin composition consisted of four main components, the sanki, the rudeo, ruman, and wisheng. To play the chin, the player would pluck the strings with his or her thumb, index, middle, and ring fingers of the right hand. The same four fingers of the left hand were used to stop the strings, actually. In handbooks for the chin, there is a lack of durational symbols to place emphasis on the oral tradition and meaning of the music. Chin notation, however, is very hard to read and understand. I really do hope that has given you a better understanding of the chin, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you so much for elaborating on that for me. Now I have a clear image of what you guys are talking about. Me and my friends love your podcast. Keep up the great work. Thanks for calling in, Elizabeth. We're more than happy to help answer any questions you guys might have. Now, I want to talk about Kung Fu Zi. His ideology played an important role during the development of hand music, which focused on humanity, morality, and manners. In the music example, Flowing Water, I will see the music depicts a natural picture. Imagine the dynamic of the water, its timbre and tempo change. Most of the time, this piece goes with a slow tempo, which reminds me of the ancient Chinese life, where people had quite a slow lifestyle. 
Then I'll push to do something. Maybe in the new year, a wedding, they will have a wonderful time like the speed change in the air. Life will not always be slow and simple. For the chain, I heard a lot of suspense during the switch of each note, which always leaves something to let the audience think and appreciate. These characteristics also features life in Asian Chinese society. People enjoy each moment and take time to make it meaningful. Wow, I really like that idea, Kalyan. How people savor each moment and you know really make it meaningful to them. I think everyone all around the world could get some use out of listening to Han music.、Um, I feel like we could talk about this all day, but unfortunately, our time is up. I just want to say a huge thank you to both of our guests, Emily Overbeck and Kalyan Lee. It's been great having you and hearing what you have to say, and we hope to have you on the show again in the future. Again, my name is Jordan Ralston, and we appreciate everyone who tuned in this week to music of near and far. Don't forget to click the link down below to subscribe, and make sure to tune back in every Monday at 5 p.m. for、uh, the newest podcast. And last but surely not least, if you can listen to music in your shower, room, and car, why not listen to to music both from near and far? All right, guys. Catch you later.